The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Gemara, Mo'ed Katan, Dav Dalid. Today's Dav is being studied by Alun Shmat Abraham ben Esther. Ruwa Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden. Amen. Today's Dav is being studied by Fashilema Yosef ben Sara. Enna Refanado, Enna Refanado, Enna Refanado, Fatanefesh, Fataguf. Fatoker, Valabove, Henny Rasum, Amen. 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 Valerie Esther, Bat Marcel. Bat Marcel, Fashilema. Ambrulia Bat Esther. We begin on Dav Dalid and we are eight lines down starting from the words of Rabbi Yohanan. Let us just review where we are up to until this point. Agamaran, the previous Dav told us the concept about Tosefet Shibi'it, which means the Shemitah technically should start from Rosh Hashanah, from Alif Tishri. That's when the new year begins. However, we learned that the Halakhal Moshe Sinai came along and said that there is an inyar of Tosefet, which means 30 days before Rosh Hashanah, we must start the laws of Shemitah. And came Bet Shamayin Bet and they added to the Tosefet of Halakhal Moshe Sinai, and they pushed back the laws of Shemitah in certain fields to Pesach or Shavuot. So according to the Bishamon bin Pazi, he came along and said that the Bangam the El and his Bet Din came along and they nullified the enactment of Bet Shammai and Bet Elil. And they brought it back to the 30 day rule of the Halakhal Moshe Sinai. The Gabbara asked, what do you mean? How could the Bangam the El, as great as he was, how could he override and annul an enactment of the previous generations? We know in order to mivatel a bed din, you need to be greater in wisdom and greater in quantity, meaning of scholars. Who aren't greater than Bet Betelel. So the Gabbara answered that Bet Betel actually made a condition when they made their Tosefet Shibi'it law. And they said that it's only temporary. And if there's another bed that wants to nullify our words, we give them permission. It seems Bet Betel were concerned that there might be a time where the economy is not good, and the land is not going to be good, and there's not going to be enough wheat, and therefore it's going to be very, very uh, bothersome to the people if you're going to start making Shemitah law six months early. So they gave a flexibility to the Hakamim. If you find it uh, a need, you'll be able to nullify the laws of Shemitah and put it back to the Halakhal Moshem Sinai of 30 days. That was the Bishram Mimpazi's answer. Then the Gemara came along, and brought uh, different opinions. Now we start with the opinion of Rabbi Yohanan. Rabbi Yohanan Amar, Rabbi Yohanan says, Rabban Gamliel ubet dino mideoraita batil lehu. Rabbi Yohanan says a big hadush. He says, no. Rabban Gamliel and his betting, they nullified not only the takana bet shemayin betilil, which is the six month, let's say, early shemitah to seven. They even nullified the Torah law. They even went against the 30-day rule. Who gives them a right to go against the 30-day rule? It's a Torah law. How can the Ban Gamliel's Bedin nullify it? My Ta'ma, what's their reason? Gemar Shabbat Shabbat Mishabbat Bereshit. They actually have a Gezerah Shabbat. They found a similar word. It says the word Shabbat by Shemitah. 
And it says the word Shabbat by the six days of creation. That's the regular Shabbat. We call this Shabbat of creation, Shabbat Bereshit. So we have a Gizirah Shabbat. What is it? Ma'alehalam. Just like my regular Shabbat. He asura. The actual day is forbidden. But the day before Shabbat and the day after Shabbat is permissible. Which means you're allowed to do work on Friday and you're allowed to do work on Sunday. The only day per se that's forbidden is Shabbat. So Afghan, so similarly to Shemitah, which is also called the Shabbat. He asura. Only the seventh year is going to be asur. But the sixth and the eighth is going to be permissible. So what the Ban Gamliel's Betin actually did, they using a Hekesh of Shabbat Shabbat, they nullified any pre-Shemitah and any post-Shemitah laws. Now again, this is very strange. Although they have a Shabbat Shabbat, they have a Gezerah Shabbat, to fortify their opinion, but still they're going against a existing Torah law. So how could you use one Torah law to override another Torah law? So the Gemara says, According to the opinion that says that the law of Tosefet Shemirit is a halakha la Moshe Messinai, atya gezerah shabah akra hilcheta. Can a Gezerah Shabbat uproot and override Al-Akhal Moshem Sinai? Which is what's ready, we have a tradition from Moshe Rabbeinu. That Shemitah starts 30 days before. How can the Bagyam Leel now using a Gezerah Shabbat come along and say, you know what? The Al-Akhal Moshem doesn't apply. What are you talking about? What? So now every time you have Al-Akhal Moshem Sinai, some rabbi will come along now and find the Derashah and nullify Al-Akhal Moshem Sinai? To give us challenging Rabbi Hanan's assumption here, once there's a Lacham Hashem Sinai, it's untouchable. You cannot use a Torah derasha to uproot it. Uman de Amar Kera. And according to the opinion that says Tosefet Shvi'it is based on Pesukim. In yesterday's Gemara, we learned according to one opinion, actually the opinion of Rabbi Akiba, that there's a Pesuk in the Torah that says Beharish Ubakatsir Tishbot. And from that Pesuk, he derived the law of Tosefet Shvi'it. The way he learned it was as follows. That when the Torah says, You must stop from plowing and reaping. It means a plowing in the sixth year that will benefit the seventh year. And a reaping in the eighth year of fruit that grew in the seventh year. So he learns to say, So the Gemara says, According to him, Go against an existing Dirasha from a Pasuk. Which means, no matter where you learn to save it from, if you learn to save it from Malachim Shemit Sinai, or you learn to save it from a Pasuk, you cannot get a Gezerah Shem of Shabbat Shabbat to tell me it doesn't apply. So therefore the Gemara flatly rejects Rabbi Yohanan's understanding of the dynamics of the Gezerah of Rabban Gamliel and his Betin. Ela Amar Avashir, so Avashir gives the, another answer. Anytime you see Ela, Ela rejects the previous uh, approach and now offers a new approach. Ela Amar Avashir, Rabban Gamliel Ubedino Sabrila Kirabi Ishmael De Amar Hilcheta Gemirila. First of all, Rabban Gamliel held it was Allah Khalam Shem Sinai. Vehi Gemiri Hilcheta Bizban Chubet Amegdash Kayam Dumyad Nisukhamayim. Oh, but he had an understanding like this. When was the Alakham Hashem Sinai of Tosefet Shivirit? That you have to go the 30 days before. When did they hold that uh, applies? Only when the Beit HaMikdash was around. 
similar to Nisuch HaMayim. Nisuch HaMayim is the law that you pour the water on the Mizbeach on Sukkot. Of course, that only applies in the times of the Beit HaMikdash. But with no Beit HaMikdash, it doesn't apply. So he said, since they, they joined those halakot together, because if you remember when the Halakhem was said, there were three halakot that were said together. One was Nisuch HaMayim, what was the law of Arava, and what was the law of Tosefet Shivirit? So he says, from the fact that they were said together, it seems there's a commonality between them. And what is that? That these laws only apply when there's a Beit HaMikdash. And therefore they came along and said, And therefore, when there's no Beit HaMikdash, it doesn't apply. So what basically happened is like this, according to the Masha's answer. Really, the Halakha Hashem Sinai, we're not overriding it. You can't override the Halakha Sinai. But all we're saying is like this, the Lachem Hashem Sinai was only when there was a temple, then you had to go with this Tosefet Shemiri business. You had to go with the 30 days before, and then you have Bet Shemayim Bet Elil, it took it six months before. That's only when the temple is around. Bet Din of came and said, now that there's no temple, go up until Rosh Hashanah. You're not bound by any rules of Tosefet. So that's the answer of uh, Rabban uh, uh, so let's review just quickly again the answer. The first answer of the Gemara of what Rabban Gamliel understand what we're doing in this Gemara. We're trying to figure out what did Rabban Gamliel nullify. So the first answer is he nullified Tosefet Shivirit of Bet Shammai and Bet He never nullified the thirty day rule. The thirty day rule stands even after the Bet Hamikdash was destroyed. The thirty day rule is the thirty day rule. And finished. That's Halakha Hashem Sinai. What they did was, they nullified the conditional addition of Bet Shemai Bet Came Rabbi Yohanan. Rabbi Yohanan said, no. He nullified everything. He nullified the 30-day rule. He nullified Bet Shemai. And he based it on Pesukim. And he nullified it even at the time that the Bet Hamikdash was around. So that's what I was really talking about. How can you nullify Allah Hashem Sinai? Well, he has Pesukim. I don't care. You can't nullify Allah Hashem Sinai for Pesukim. So that's what I said. That's what Really, the Tavs of the Mekdash was around. You couldn't nullify anything. The law of Tosef and Shemitah applied. All he did was, him and his Betin said, that as much as there's no Betin Kayam, when there's no Betin Mekdash, there's no law of Tosefet, not the 30 day and not the Bet Shemayim Bet additional 6 months, and that incidentally is the Halakha, that is that there is no Bet HaMikdash, we follow the opinion of Rav Asher, that there is no Deen of Tosefet Shavirit, meaning Shemitah starts on Rosh Hashanah, we don't have to start any time before and now we move on to the next piece of Gemara if you remember we learned in the Mishnah that while it is permissible to water a field, a field that needs irrigation, that's called the beta shalachin. So it's permissible to water that on Hola Mu'ed. Why? Even though Melachaz Asuran Hola Mu'ed, but if you're not going to water this irrigated field, it's going to become hefsid. And the halakha says that while work is forbidden, but if it's going to cause a monetary loss, the rabbis made it permissible on Hola Mu'ed so long as it does not entail Tirhayitira. Which means, so long as it does not entail excessive exertion. Therefore, for example, if you had a, a, a spring, what you've got to do is get the spring to work and it just by itself irrigates the field. That's not so much exertion. It's permissible. However, the Mishnah said, Ve'lo mime geshamim. Geshamim is not so you have a, a, a puddle of water. So now, how do you want to get the water of the geshamim to the field? You need now to take a bucket. 
He needs to take a bucket and draw the water and now pour it into the field. That's great exertion. Omimikilon is the water of a well. How are you going to get the water out of the well? Again with a bucket. So that's already great exertion. You've got to go deep into the well, draw it out, bring it to the field. So even though the field might incur a loss if you don't water it, but watering it in a way that's going to cause you great exertion is forbidden. So the Gibbara says, Bishlama Mekilon. I understand why you're telling me the waters of a well you can't use. Ikatir Hayatera. That's going to be great exertion. We don't want you to work so hard on Khalam Wed. If you think about it, if you have a puddle of water, that's not such a great exertion. All you have to do is with your feet, you're able just to kick the water a little, or make a little furrow, and the water by itself will just uh, flow to the field. Jeez, what is the problem with Megish Shamim? A well, you have no choice. How are you going to get the water? You have to go into the well with a bucket, draw it out. I know the problem. But when it comes to Megish Shamim, all you got to do is just kick the water towards the field. What's the problem? So the Gemara says, Amar of Ila'ah, Amar of Yohanan, Gezerah, Megish Shamim, Atu, Mekilon. Which means like this. We make it a Gezerah. If we let you use the rain water, you might come to use the well water. Which is really, you're right, we're not worried about the rain water per se. The rain water does not entail great tirha. But the rabbis were concerned, once we allow to use this, you might end up coming to use the mekilon, and the mekilon is tirha therefore it is a gezerah. So it comes again and says... Rav Ashe Amar, Rav Ashe has a different answer. Me geshamim gufayu lide me kilon atu. He says, no. I'm not worried about me geshamim that you might come to use a well. There's no connection between using a puddle of water that you might come to use the well water. But I'm worried that the rainwater itself might turn into a well. How does that mean? I mean when you start drawing, originally from the rainwater, it's a big, big puddle, let's say, right? It's a big uh, collection of the rain. What's going to happen? Eventually the rainwater itself subsides. It goes down. So eventually, it's not going to just flow by itself. What are you going to have to come and do? Take a bucket and go draw from the lowered rainwater and therefore the Geshemim themselves are going to turn into a well. So then we have two answers. According to Yohanan, what's the reason why Geshemim is Asur? That if I allow this, Gishamim, I might come to allow Kilon. I'm not worried about Gishamim per se. It's this might lead to the well. According to Asher, no. The rainwater itself can turn into a well. How? When the rainwater subsides, so now it doesn't flow freely. So what do you have to do to get that water to the field? You have to take a bucket. Don't you have to take a bucket, so that's a well. So understand there's a big difference between the two answers. One is, this will lead to something else, but I'm not worried about the rainwater per se. The second answer is, no, the rainwater itself poses a problem. Because when it lowers, it cannot flow freely, and the only way for me to get it to the field is what? Like a kilon, take a bucket and draw it out. So the Gemara says, This mahluk in between Rabbi Yohanan and Rabbi Asher, it's a, they're arguing the opinion of the Bizera. Nahar. Nahar is a stream of water. Let's say you have a stream of water that's drawing its water from an agam. 
Agam is a pond. So it seems the case is you had a pond with water, a lot of water, and the pond empties out into a nahar, into a stream. So it says, these ponds that empty out into the stream, mutar lehashkot mehem beholoshin mu'id. It is indeed permissible to take the water from the streams and use it to irrigate your field on Cholamu'id. Mor it One rabbi subscribes to the Bizera, umor let And one rabbi does not hold like the Bizera. Now we have to figure out which rabbi holds of the Bizera and which rabbi doesn't hold. So let's read that in Rashi. Look at Rashi. Dibura Matir. Mutar l'ashkot mehem b'cholosh al-mu'id. Ve'lo gazru dilma pasik me'agamim. We are not gozer. That I'm worried that maybe the pans will empty out. Ve'azal v'tarak v'aiti min nahar ahir. Which means, the Rabbi Zerah is telling me, this nahar over here, use it. He doesn't make a gezerah that, well, maybe this will empty out, maybe the nahar will, let's say, run out of water. And what's going to happen if it runs out of water? I might overexert myself and go to another place. And he says, no, we're not worried about it, it's emptying out. You can use the nahar. We don't make a gezerah to something else. So that she continues. And as she says, the Amar Yohanan, we are making gezerah on rainwater. Which is a quote of Yohanan. He says, you have rainwater. The case of the case of the rainwater. He said, I don't care how much rainwater you have. I'm worried if I let you use rainwater, you might come to use mekilon, you might come to use well water. He cannot hold of the bizirah. Because the bizirah allows you to use the stream. And he doesn't say that if I let you use the stream, you might come to use something else. So you see, the Yohanan cannot subscribe to the bizirah. Again, because the Yohanan's whole thing was, what? I don't care if you have a lot of rainwater. I'm not worried that the rainwater itself might subside. That wasn't a Yohanan's item. His concern was what? If I allow this case, even though there's no concern in the case of the rainwater, you might end up coming to use a well water. He makes a gizera. So according to him, he doesn't know the gizera, obviously. Because the gizera, let's use a stream. Now, even though the stream is filled with water, he doesn't make a gizera to gizera. If I let you use this, you might come to use... Well water. So you see that what? The Yohanan cannot subscribe to the Bizirah. Whereas according to the second rabbi, who is the Bil'ah, right? Actually, Asher, I should say, according to the Asher, he says, no, the whole Gizirah was what? That the rainwater itself might come into a Hilon. The rainwater itself, he was concerned with what? That it might subside. And become a kilon. So you want to say, he will say he agrees with uh, Rabbi Zera. I read Rashi again. Which means, according to Rabbi Yohanan, he does not hold of Rabbi Zera. Rabbi Zera allowed you to use a stream, and he wasn't concerned about. The case of Gezerah. Whereas if Yohanan says, no, I'm worried about a Gezerah. If I let you use this, you might come to use that. So now the governor says, Gufa, Amar Bizerah. The Bizerah said, 
Amar Neharot, same case we just learned. Neharot the Moshim Maim and Agamim, the streams that draw water from the ponds, Mutala Shkut Mim Holoshim Red. Eti Ber Birmiyal Rebizera, so here's the question. Avalomi Me Geshamim Velomi Me Kilon. Let's hold it. Rebizera, how could you allow to use uh, the streams over here that are drawing water from the ponds when we have our Mishnah? Our Mishnah forbade Megeshamim. Why did the Mishnah Oser Megeshamim? Because we're concerned that the Megeshamim, let's say, is going to subside. So if the Megeshamim are going to subside, so too the stream can subside, and therefore you're going to come to Tirhayatera. So the Bizarre, could you go against the Mishnah? So he doesn't Yirmiyah, my son. Hani Agmed de Babel. These ponds of Babel, de lo paskudamu. The ponds in Babel they have an unlimited supply of water. I'm never worried that the stream's going to run out. The ponds have unlimited supplies, always going to empty out into the streams. And therefore, why should I save the stream? What am I worried? It's going to subside? It's not going to subside. The ponds of Babel, they were very, very, uh, there was much water. And therefore, if the Mishnah was concerned that what? That the rain waters, the puddle might subside, you're going to have a problem. A shaken over here. Remember, we're talking about in Bavel. And therefore, in Bavel, the ponds have a lot of water. It's going to end into the streams. So, therefore, there's no reason to make a gizera. What am I worried about? Well, I'm worried about it's going to subside. It'll never subside. And therefore, it's going to be permissible. So, comes the Gemara and says, New case. So basically, let's just review what we said until this point. Before we go to the new case, basically we said when it comes to Megeshamim, we have a mahlokit between the Yohanan and the Asher. What's the reason why Megeshamim is forbidden? Is it because we go to Megeshamim atu something else? And therefore, if you hold like the Yohanan that says we go to Megeshamim to something else, that you might come to Mekilon. He does not hold of the Bizera because the Bizera allowed you to use these. Streams. He did not go there. Streams to something else. However, the Gemara then said, "But what do you mean? We should make a gezera on the streams themselves because they might subside, just like we made a gezera by Gishamim." So the Gemara says, "No, we're not worried because the streams we're talking about come from an unlimited supply of water, and therefore there's no gezera that it might subside, and therefore the Bizera said it is mutar." Comes the Gemara and says, "In These are like reservoirs. Pools of water in the public domain. They used to use it for uh, for drinking. The only difference is one of these is uh, finished, which means the pesekot it seems is unfinished, and berechot is like finished, meaning it's uh, it's more sturdy. Let's say it was, these reservoirs were filled with water from Eid of Yom Tov. The reason why it says Eid of Yom Tov is because you're not going to fill these reservoirs on Yom Tov. Because the way they filled these reservoirs was by hand. They would take buckets and fill them up. So that was saying you filled it up, let's say, legally. You did it in Yom Tov, there was no problem. You cannot use these reservoirs to irrigate a field on Cholamu'id. Because the assumption is, because it will be great uh, exertion. So comes the Gemara and says, V'imaita amata mayim overed b'nehem mutar. If there was a stream of water that ran next to these reservoirs, it is permissible. 
Now what's the logic over here? I'll tell you the logic. We're worried that what's going to happen in the reservoir? It's going to subside. Once the reservoir's water subside, we're worried now you might go exert yourself somewhere else to get water. The reservoir's per se is not such an exertion. The reservoir's per se should be okay. But it's not an unlimited supply. What happens when it goes down, the water? Then we're worried you might go somewhere else. But if you have an alternate stream that's right next to it, so if this runs out, they'll go to the alternate stream. So therefore, if there's an Amata Mayim next to the reservoir, everything is permissible. So the Gemara says, Amara Papa, So long as the majority of the field can drink in one shot from that stream of water. Which means like this. It seems the streams had an ample supply of water. And then let's say you'd open up the stream and let it into your field, so it would all empty out. Now, it would take time for the stream itself to replenish itself. So the Gemara is saying like this, if you have a reservoir next to a stream of water, you can use the reservoir on, on Halamu'ed. Why? Because even if it starts to deplete, we're not worried you might go draw water from far away, where that's going to be a problem. You have the stream right next to you. But the only time we can allow such a stream is if when you empty the stream into your field, it can give the majority of your field water in one shot. It seems the rabbi was concerned that if there's not enough water in that stream, then what's going to end up happening? You're going to go somewhere else. And then we're back to the same problem. So while the reservoir and the stream per se together will be permissible, it's only in a stream that can water the majority of the field in one shot. I guess the logic is like this, because let's say it can do the majority, right? So now what are you worried about? The minority of the field that's left? So then you'll take from the reservoir, which means taking a little water from the reservoir, that uh, depleted a little, it'll be okay. Between the reservoir and the matamayim, you'll be able to do the entire field. That's Amashe's opinion. However, Amara Papa... I'm sorry, that's papa's opinion. He says, no, I'm even more lenient. Even if the majority of the field cannot drink in one shot from the Amatamayim, it's okay. Since bottom line, the stream is constantly being replenished. So it, it'll take, uh, instead of doing it in one shot, the Gemara says, Memar Amar, he will say, Listen, if the, if the field cannot be irrigated in one day, it'll take two or three days. And therefore, Asher is being more lenient. He's saying like this, so long as you have a stream. So there's no hashash. Yeah, there's no which means, the first rabbi said, hey, listen, I'm worried. <clears throat> if this stream cannot, in one gush, feed the majority of the field, I'm worried this guy now is going to go somewhere else and be matriah and get water. So comes the says, I'm not worried about that. Because why would a guy matriah himself to go somewhere else? You know what he'll say? So what is it going to take? It's going to take one or two days or two or three days for the whole field? Ah, where am I going? And therefore, which means he'll empty the, 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 the stream. It'll not irrigate the majority of the field. So then it'll wait till it replenishes. Then it'll empty it out again. Then it'll do it a couple of days. So big deal. So therefore, just to review this halakha. This halakha is telling us that a reservoir alone, not next to any other water source, is forbidden. Why? Because we're concerned when it depletes, you might go somewhere else to draw water. And that's already on that we cannot allow. But if there's an amata mayin next to it, 
So then already, if you have a problem with your reservoir, where are you going to go? You're going right to the stream that's next to it. In the stream itself, we have a machloket. How much water in the stream allows this case? The papa says, oh, you got to have a lot of water. Enough that in one shot, it'll irrigate the majority of the field. Whereas the Asher comes and says, nah, even if you don't have enough to irrigate it in one shot to the majority of the field, the fellow's going to say, so I'll do it in spurts, I'll do it one or two, three days, and therefore, oh, their case is permissible. Comes the Gemara now and gives the next case. Which means like this. You have two fields. Fields that need the water. So right away, once we have a field that needs water, we know you could uh, you can irrigate it on Cholamorid. It seems one of the fields is higher than the other. So what are you doing? On the higher field, you have a spring. So the spring is putting water into that field, no problem. And there's an overflow. So the overflow is dripping down from the upper field to the lower field. And the lower field is a pond now of water that's gathering. So the question is, can you use the pond that was formed on the lower field to use that uh, to, to, to irrigate your lower field? So the Gabbana says, and I read again, you have a pool that's dripping into it water from one field, mean the upper field. So the Gemara says, So what do you mean? It's going to stop. Which means, who says that that upper field has an unlimited supply of water? Maybe the upper field is going to stop. Flowing water. So what are, you, what are you concerned about? The pool that you have in the lower field is going to run out. And if it runs out, you might come to get water from a alternate source. And that's going to be a tirha. Kibra says, no, Amar ibn Miyad, You know what the case is talking? Where you still see it's dripping. You see, the, I mean, you see the dripping from the upper field into the lower pond. So the Kibra says, Amar abayeh, so, no problem. I'm not concerned only if it's still dripping down, but it's only permissible if the original upper spring is still working. So long as the upper spring is producing water and it's dripping into the lower one, so that's an unlimited supply. But once the upper spring stops, I don't care if it's still dripping down, that dripping is limited. Eventually it's going to stop as well. Because once the source dries up, even though there's still excess water still dripping down, it's going to stop eventually. So therefore, going to Abayir, you need two things. First of all, you need the upper spring to still be functional, and you need the dripping of the water to be constant flowing down. Then I say, no problem, because what are you worried about? You're going to use this uh, lower pond, nothing can happen to this lower pond. It's just going to have an abundance of water, and if I'm not worried that you might leave this pond to go get water from an alternate source, therefore there will be a So again, you need two things. You need the ma'yan on top to be working, and you need the water to flow down, into the lower ponds. Now we go to another case. <coughs> Okay, here you have two rows of produce in the same field. Aruga is a row, row of produce. 
Zu lemala mizu. It seems they're on different planes. One is higher than the next. Lo yidle min atachtona v'yashkeh ta'alyona. Okay, we're concerned you should not draw water for the lower furrow or the lower row and carry that water to the higher row. Because that would be a terhayatera. Which means, if you have water on the lower area, so you're watering your field. Do not take the water from the lower area and walk it up to the higher area. Because the walking up is going to be considered a terha. Even one row in the same field, half of the row is on a low plane, and half of it goes on an incline up. You're not allowed to take water. You cannot draw water from the lower area and walk it up the incline to the upper area. I mean, the rabbis were concerned again about that if everything is equal, it's all on the same plane, that's all you're doing is going on the same level, the same incline. But if one is high, even if it's the same row, it inclines up. So you cannot take from the lower part and draw the water to the higher part. Now we go to the next case. It is permissible on Yom Toh, on Hulam Oed. I was talking about Hulam Oed. To water a vegetable patch so long as you're planning on eating the vegetables on Hulam Oed. Now what's the, what's the case over here? If we're talking about a beta shilahim, if we're talking about a field that needs to be irrigated, so what's the question? We learned already, any beta shilahim, of course you're allowed to, to water uh, the, uh, the field. So, so what, is, what is the vegetable add? You're allowed to water a beta shilahim because it's a loss. So explanation is like this. We learned in the Mishnah, the only time you can water a, a, a beta shilahim on khulam or ed is how? When it does not entail terhayatera. For example, you can't use a bucket. We said you could only use like the furrows where the water just flows freely, but you cannot take a bucket and draw water. <coughs> you know what the Hadush of the statement is? That if it's for vegetables that you want to eat on Hulam you can even use a bucket to draw the water, and I'm not worried about the Tirhayatira. I'll let you go take the bucket and pour the water on the vegetables. Okay? But that's so long as what? As you want to eat the vegetables on Hulam Okay, now she says two lines at the bottom. Madlin, yelirakot. Mashma should dole mayim. The word madlin is dole. That usually implies using a bucket, meaning you're drawing water. But the Gemara continues. Four lines at the bottom. Vimbishviliyapotan asud. But. If your intention is that you want the vessels to grow faster or nicer, that's forbidden. Which means if you're doing to enhance, enhancing is not permissible. The only reason why we're allowing you here is because you want to eat the vegetables themselves in Hulam Ra'id. So I'll allow you even to use a bucket. That's the dispensation of this halakha. I repeat, according to the Mishnah, on a better shidahin you can use a bucket. That's too much tarha. Here the rabbi is coming along to say, but if it's for vegetables, that you're going to eat on khulam or'id, we'll waive the tarha yitira law, and we'll let you use even a bucket. So Gebra says, a story. Ravina v'rabat tosfa'ah. 
Two rabbis. They were walking on the road. They saw a fellow. He was drawing water on Mu'id, watering his fields. It happened to be this field over here was not the Bita Shalahin field. It was a Bita Baal field. It was a field that really did not need irrigation. So it was clear that all he was doing it for was was for the uh, for the purpose to enhance a field that doesn't need really the water. Amar le So tells Rabbina, We must excommunicate this fellow. This fellow is transgressing uh, the laws of Allah Mu'ayyad. Amar le madlin liyirakot So what are you talking? But didn't we learn that if you're watering vegetables, watering vegetables is permissible. It seems this guy was watering vegetables in order to eat them. So therefore he figured, tell us, what do you want from the guy? The guy's watering the vegetables, he wants to eat the vegetables in Khulam Mu'id, so why should we put the guy in, uh, in Hiram? Seemingly it, it should be okay. So he told him, Mi sabart, my madlin, madlin maya. You misunderstood that statement. When it said in the statement, Madlin, you thought it means to draw water? No way. My Madlin, Shilufeh. Which means Madlin, you can never water a field on, on Yom Tov, on the Holam, I'm sorry, with buckets. That, you, you misunderstood, but it says the word Madlin. Oh, you thought what Madlin means to draw? No, it means to pull out. Which means if a person, let's say, has a field, and the, the vegetables are cramped, they're all crowded next to each other, and you really want to you know, give some room between the vegetables so they grow better. So the hadush is that if you want to eat those vegetables that you're plucking out, I'll let you pluck them out, pull them out of the ground, in order to enhance the rest of the vegetables to give them more room to grow. Now normally I wouldn't let you do that on the Holam What do you mean? Enhancing, enhancing you can't do on the Holam That's work. So the hadush of the statement was, but if you're plucking out the excess vegetables and your intention is to eat them, so we'll let it be permissible. But watering? We never allowed watering. So that was the rabbi was telling his colleague. They were walking down the street. You see a guy watering his vegetable patch on the Hala Mu'id. So he said, this guy's watering a vegetable patch. This is not allowed on the... He had a bucket, it seemed. And with a bucket, that's excess uh, labor. So the rabbi uh, told them, and they were doing it in a better Baal field, according to the Shia. They were doing it in a field that there was no hetair at all. The only time they allowed that was in a better Shida'in field. He says, you know what, let's put him in Hiram. He says, uh, put him in Hiram, what do you want to put him in uh, Hiram for? So you're allowed to water uh, for, the, for the vegetables if you're planning on eating them. He says, what are you talking about? <clears throat> when it says the word madlin, you misinterpreted it. It doesn't mean watering, it means pulling out. Because if the guy was just pulling out vegetables to make his field a little more, you know, roomy, Oh, that, that's the way to as long as he wants to eat the vegetables, that's permissible. So comes the Gemara and says, how do you know that the word madlin means to pull out vegetables? He says like this. Which means the person says a vineyard. And the vineyards are crowded. You have a lot of uh, grapes, let's say, or vines all you know bunched together. It says, just like he's allowed to pull out on his own uh, property. She's like this. In a field, you have to leave a certain part for the poor people. I'll explain to you the Mahlukat outside first. You have to leave the corners of the field for the poor people. Certain deformities in the grapes, you also have to leave for the poor people. So the question is like this. When you pull out excess 
What does that cause? It causes the remaining grapes to grow much better. So you take away a little, but it enhances the quality of the remaining. So there's no question on your own stuff, on your own field, do whatever you want. It's not on Holam this is a general law. On a Tuesday, you want to pull out some extra vines in order to get a better quality of what's remaining. No, no, no one can stop you from that. The question is, are you allowed to do that to the poor people's entitlements? Just if I go to the corner of my field, I see there's a bunch of grapevines all over the place. Am I allowed to pull out excess in order that the remainder will be more enhanced? Or when it comes to the poor people's entitlements, I say, leave it alone. Don't touch their, uh, don't touch anything from this. So here we have a mahloket. The Gebarah says, Hamidal begifanim, keshem shu medal beshelo. Just like he could, he could take out from his own. So too he can take out from the poor people. You can do it on your own field, but you can't do it on the poor people's field. What's the logic of this mahlukah? The logic is, what's the mentality of the poor man? Does the poor man rather have better quality and less goods, or more goods and a less quality? So the rabbi that says, yeah, you could draw out, the means said, yeah, take out also from his uh, field, from his portion, so the remainder will be a better quality. So he says, yeah, the anim rather less, but better quality. The Bible says, no, 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 no. The poor guy, rather more quantity, even though the quality is going to be copper. So don't touch his. But what do you see from this bright? The word medal does not mean to draw water. The word medal means to pluck out. So therefore, back to the story. They saw a guy watering the field. He's all, is not allowed? No, the word medal doesn't mean to, 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 to draw water. Medal means to pluck out vegetables to eat them. Amar there, so he tells him back. He's, what are you talking? I have a beferush brighter that says, You're allowed to draw water for vegetables in order to eat them. She said, the other brighter, all it said was madle. But there you can argue, does it mean to draw water, does it mean to pluck out, but here it says Madle Mayim, it clearly says the word Mayim. Amarle Itanya Tanya. If it says it, it says it. Which means I retract, I take it back. Which means, I didn't learn that from my rabbi. I learned that Madli means you're only not to pluck out vegetables that are overcrowded if you're intending to eat them. So he says, but what do you mean? It says clearly Madle Mayim. Oh, there's a bright that says Madle is actually watering. I retract it, that's what it says, and therefore the guy's okay, which means the guy that was watering his field on uh, Olam or Ed, leave him alone, there's no reason to put him in Harem, uh, he actually uh, was in the right, he was uh, watering the vegetables in order to eat the vegetables on Olam Ed, so that was uh, permissible. Okay, now we continue the Gemara. Kazimara continues... Okay, we said that it is forbidden on Holomoed to make furrows next to the roots of the vineyard. It seems they would make a little furrow so the water would collect next to the roots in order to irrigate it. It seems that making these furrows entailed great exertion. Therefore, they do not want you to do this on Holomoed. My ugiyot, so look at us, what is these ugiyot? Amar of Yehuda, banki. It gives you another word called banki. What is banki? Banki is these furrows that are under the grapevines in order that the water will collect. These are ugiyot. These are these badidin, which are like holes or furrows that are at the roots of the 
olive tree. The roots of the Vine. So what Allow the people of Tsita'e to make furrows in their uh, vine vineyards. So make up your mind. Is making these furrows permissible or is it uh, forbidden? Depends. If it's a new furrow, it's going to be forbidden. Because to make a new one entails great labor. Now you got to start digging, and you've got to start uh, making the hole. That's forbidden. But old ones, which means their furrows were there already. It's just that what? Could be they closed up, so the ground is already softened. So therefore, an old one, and Allah to re-dig it, permissible. But to dig a new one from scratch, forbidden. So that's the difference. That's why the rabbi allowed them to do it. Because the rabbi was allowing them only to redig old ones, but new ones forbidden. We continue. Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah Omer in or seen it ha'amma. Okay, amma is a channel of water. So you dig a channel in the ground. Okay, the water flows flows through. So we said it's forbidden to dig this channel of water, but the water is going to flow through. You cannot do it on holam red. So the Gabbas Bishlama Mu'aid, I understand why it's a surah Hala Mu'aid Mishum de Katarah, because it's of excessive labor. You know, you're digging an Amah, an Amah is six tefahim deep. So that's a serious uh, ditch you're digging over here. Mm. So I understand why in Hala Mu'aid it's forbidden. Ela Shivi'id, Maita'ama. The Gabbara said that this is also forbidden on Shemitah. Now, why should it be forbidden on Shemitah? Let's discuss this subject outside for a second. Oh, that's the Gibra Which means, during the Shemitah, if it's permissible, it's permissible. There's no law of Tirhaya Tira on Shemitah. Which means, on Hulam we say, it's only permissible if you need two things. It's going to be a loss, and only if it's not excessive labor. On Shemitah, it doesn't work with those rules. On Shemitah, if it's permissible, even if it's in an excessive laborous way, it's permissible. No problem. So the Gibra saying, well, What's the problem in digging a uh, channel during the Shemitah year? It's not planting, it's not plowing, it's not one of the major works of a field. So, but the Mishnah said you can't dig that channel on the Shemitah year. They come out and say, what's the problem? What about excessive labor? There's no excessive labor laws on Shemitah. Plowing, it's not. Planting, it's not. Uh, reaping, it's not. So what's, what's the problem during the Shemitah year to dig this channel? So the Gemara says... Very important mahluk we have. One rabbi says, because it looks like you're plowing. And people don't know what you're doing. You're digging a, a ditch over here for water. But bottom line, you have your shovel out. You're digging and you're digging. So the people say, hey, this guy over here is plowing. Plowing is forbidden on the Shemitah. One rabbi says, no, I'm not worried about looking like plowing. But you know what it is? When you're digging the, the dirt, what do you do with the dirt that's in the channel? You put it on the banks. You put it on the side. Now those banks, now you prepare them for planting. Because bottom line, what did you do? You have soft earth that's now on the banks. So he's not saying it looks like plowing. You actually <coughs> prepared the ground now for planting. Which part of the ground? The banks, where the, where the dirt has collected. Now you'll argue with me, but that's not his intention. When he's digging the hole, his intention is to make a channel. He's thinking about the dirt that's on the uh, banks. 
So Tosfot says, you're right, even though it's a Lavash Emet Kaven, it's subject to the law of a Psik Resheh. Psik Resheh is something that's inevitably going to happen, even if you don't have Kavanah for it, it's still going to be forbidden. So again, let's get the Mahlokit good. What's the reason why you can't take the channel on Shavi'it? Either one of two reasons. It looks like you're plowing in the channel itself, the Amataman, or because you're preparing the banks for planting, because you have that soft earth now on the side. Kebra says, my benayu. So what's the practical difference between these opinions? Ika benayu deka atumaya batre. Well, let's say the water rushes into the channel immediately. I mean, the second you dig the channel, boom, the water right away goes in. Well, according to the opinion that says because you're preparing the banks, well, I don't care if the water goes into the channel. Bottom line, you're still preparing the banks for planting. It's going to be forbidden. But according to the opinion that says it looks like you're plowing, because once the water comes in right away, everybody's going to know you're not, you aren't plowing, you're making a water channel. So again, if the water comes in immediately, I'm not worried about looking like plowing. Because people are going to see the water came in immediately, you're digging a channel. So the nafka minah between the two reasons is going to be if the water comes into the channel immediately. According to the opinion, it looks like you're plowing, it doesn't look like I'm plowing. But according to the opinion that you're worried about the banks, you still have the banks problem. Comes Gibran says, According to the opinion that says he's worried about plowing. Why isn't he concerned about the issue of the banks? Which means, granted, you should have two problems. Why are you only worried about that it looks like plowing? How come you're not worried about the fact that you have the banks are filled with uh, soil? The Kabbalah says, you're right. You're right. Everybody holds that you have a problem with the banks. That The fact that you put the dirt on the side. The only mahluk is going to be, is it look like plowing or not? I'll tell you the case like this. What about in the case where you're digging the, 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 the dirt and you're throwing the dirt far away? So if you're going to tell me the only issue is it looks like plowing, so then you're right, you have an issue of plowing, because bottom line it looks like you're plowing. But if you tell me the issue is the banks, well there's no problem with banks in this case. Why? There's no banks. Because what am I doing? I'm throwing the dirt far away. What happens when you throw the dirt right away? It scatters. It doesn't form a... A pile, that amount that looks like you're planting. So again, at this point in the Gemara, the issue over here is everybody holds the issue of the banks. So what's going to be the case where there's a mahlokit then? Where there's no banks issue. Where let's say I scatter the dirt far away. So then the mahlokit's going to be like this. That's worried about the fact that you're preparing the banks for planting. Because I've scattered it all around. That's worried about plowing. It still looks like you're plowing, because by the way, in the channel itself, you dug. But according to the opinion that says, the only concern is that you're preparing the banks for planting, Hakim is not worried about the fact that it looks like it's plowing. Even in the case where there's no problem of the banks, you scattered it far away. Why isn't he worried that when you're digging the channel, some people are going to think that you're plowing? He says, He says like this, because that's not normal plowing. When you plow, you dig the dirt up, and you put the dirt back in the same spot. Here, when you're digging the dirt, you're putting it somewhere else. Nobody doesn't think you're plowing. That's not the normal way of plowing. Again, when I'm plowing a field, what do I do? I just turn over the dirt, and I deposit it in the same spot. In this case, what's the guy doing? He's digging the channel, and he throws the dirt somewhere else. So he says, no problem looking like plowing. Nobody's going to think I'm plowing. So therefore, it comes out like this. 
According to this version, the only issue over here is, does it look like I'm plowing or not? Regarding the, the sides, everybody's concerned about that. Oh, if I can get rid of the side problem by, let's say, scattering the dirt far away, my only issue then is, does it look like plowing? So one rabbi's going to say, yeah, it looks like you're plowing. Bottom line, they see you digging, and they're going to say, hey, the guy's plowing. The other rabbi says, no, nah, no one's going to think you're plowing. Why? Because so long as I take the dirt out and I don't leave it in, so it's obvious. Amemor matnila. Amemor had a different understanding of this mahlokan of why it's forbidden to make an ama during the shemitah. He said, everybody holds the issue is it looks like you're plowing. Now, who are the two rabbis that we were discussing over here? Just for our information, the opinion over here of the Mishnah that forbade making an ama in shemitah was the Bilazab bin Azariah. That was the author of the Mishnah. Rabbi Azab bin Azariah said it's forbidden. Amemor came along and said, you know what the reason Rabbi Azab bin Azariah is? I'm going to tell you the reason. He's worried because it looks like you're plowing. Forget about Agapea, forget about the banks. I'm giving you the reason it's plowing. And based on that understanding, he has a contradiction. What's the contradiction? Does the Bil Azar go with this opinion that says if it looks like, pl- like it's plowing, it's forbidden? Or meaning we have a contradiction. We're talking about the Shemitah here again. Let's review. You're not allowed to fertilize your field during the Shemitah. Because fertilizing causes it to grow. So now let's say I have fertilizer. So I want to store the fertilizer in my field. My intention is not to use it. I just want to store it. So the first opinion says, You're allowed to make a mound of fertilizer in your field. Rebimi says, no way. Because bottom line, if you're going to put it in your field, it's fertilizing that part of the field. Wow. He says, Unless you elevate three tefahim off the ground, which means let's say you put boards or rocks on the ground, and you put the fertilizer above it, or you dig a hole three tefahim in the ground and put the fertilizer there. Rabbi means being mahmir. You have to store your fertilizer somewhere. Don't store it in the field. Because by storing the field, bottom line, you're fertilizing the field on Shabitah. So what do you do? Either put a platform three tefahim high, or dig it three tefahim into the ground and store it there. Oh, but let's say before Shemitah came in, already had a pile there already. And you didn't start the pile on Shemitah. Then already you can continue and add to it. Because bottom line, people are going to say you're not fertilizing, you're just storing it. The already was there from before. Rabbi says, no sir, you're not allowed to even add to uh, a pile that was there from before Shemitah, until you elevate it or place it on the rock itself. Now what is the question against the Bil Azar? So he says like this, that which the Bil Azar said, I'm reading Rashi, look at the first wide line in Rashi, the Bil Azar said. Even if you had some zevil there from before the Shemitah, you're not allowed to add to it on the Shemitah. Next Rashi, because we're concerned, we don't want the people to think it looks like he's fertilizing his field. 
ואיך ישי רבי עזר לחפור ולהעמיק בשביעית ולא חייש לנראה כעודד which means like this רבי אלעזר go back to our Mishnah the Mishnah said like this רבי אלעזר בנעזר היה אומר אין עושים את טעמה בתחילה במועד ובשביעית which means he did not allow us to make an Amah in the Shemitah year correct? and what was the reason we're saying now? because it's Nir'eh Ka'udir because it looks like you are uh, plowing good, looks like you're working, beautiful so now what's going to happen? I have a contradiction to another statement of Rabbi Lazar bin Azariah. I have Zebel in my field. I have fertilizer in my field. It's in the Shemitah already. It was there from before. What does Rabbi Lazar say? You want to add to that? No, sir. Can't add. What do you have to do? You're going to have to dig three divine in the ground in order to store it there. Hold it. Once you're going to start digging in the ground, people are going to think you're plowing. So how could you allow me when it comes to the Zebel? To dig three tabaim in the ground and Shemitah, what happened to your Gizrah? Don't you make a Gizrah? Oh, the Eke Oder. When it came to the Zebra, you're not worried about the Eke Oder? Again, what was the Bil Azaz's solution? He said, oh, you know, if you started the pile already from before, don't add to it. Don't add to it. I'm concerned that people are going to think you're fertilizing. So what do you do? Go to your field, dig a hole three tabaim deep, and stick it into the, into the hole. Very good. You solved the fertilizer problem. But it looks like you're plowing. And you're the rabbi that says, look, look like a plowing is a concern. So you know what the Gebra answers? Gebra says, no problem. Two answers. One answer is, you had an existing hole from before the Shemitah. Right? So you weren't digging the hole on Shemitah. You're right, you can't dig a hole on Shemitah, even for the fertilizer. It was there already from before. The Hadamar ziblo halav. And another answer is, I listen, in this case, nobody's going to think you're plowing. Everybody sees you have Zevil over here. Everybody sees the reason why you're digging the hole is in order to put the fertilizer in it. In the case of the Ammah, they don't see water yet. You didn't let the water right into the stream. They just see you digging a, a hole over here. And they say, hey, what is this guy doing? This guy must be plowing. Hey, that's forbidden. But in the case of the Zevil, there's a pile of Zevil. So they see a guy digging a hole right next to the Zevil. You know what they're going to say? He's doing it in order to put the Zevil in the hole. Nobody's going to suspect him for plowing. And now we go to the last piece of the Gemara for today. We said that if let's say you have these uh, channels of water that became clogged up. So you're able to unclog them on Hola Mu'id. You know, the water's, let's say, not running uh, through them. So you want to take out the, uh, uh, the clogging of them. So we said that is permissible. So the Gibraltar is like this. My Mikul Kalot. What's the case? What, what, what are you doing exactly with these uh, Mikul Kalot? Well, what happened to these furrows? Amar Abi Abba, Shimaita Amukat Tefah Ma'amida Achisha Tefahim. Oh, we're talking about these Amatamayims over here. What's an Amatamayim again? That's a, that's a channel. That's six tefahim deep. The reason why we call it an Ammah, because that's the shield of an Ammah. An Ammah is six tefahim. So they would call these channels Ammah Mayim. They were deep. Six tefahim deep is like 18 inches. So they would be deep, and when it's deep, the water flows nicely. So let's say what happened, it got filled up. On Hulamwe, that's say dirt and debris and things like that. Now it's only one tefah. So you're allowed to dig it to get back to the six tefahim level. So what are they allowing you to do? They're actually allowing you to dig five tefahim of amma on Holamwe, which is up to that point it's not considered exertion. Or not considered excessive exertion. 
So again, you had a six amma channel, got clogged up, went up to one tefah, say six tefahim I mean, six tefahim and went up to one tefah, on Cholamuel I go dig five down, to get it back to its original depth. Toil, it is toil, but it's not excessive. That amount of digging five tefahim, which is uh, 15 inches, that's not considered excessive toil. So now the Gemara says, what about... Oh, I mean, how much of the, uh, it's interesting, it doesn't tell you how much of the, of the furrow. It sounds unlimited, maybe a hundred miles, and eventually there's got to be a point where it's going to be uh, excessive uh, exertion. It's a good point, we'll analyze that. Comes the Gemara and says like this. Now, Peshita, it's obvious, Hatsi Tefah al Shiloshat Tefahim. Let's say different, different proportions now, different uh, numbers. Let's say you had a, a furrow or a channel that was only three tefahim deep. And it closed up to a half a tefah. Can I go from a half a tefah to three? Well, proportionally it's the same proportion. Which means one to six is the same proportion as half a tefah to three. The Gebera says, it's pashut, you can't do it. Why not? The Gebera says, Kevan de lo avar maya lo klumu. Because bottom line, a three tefah deep channel doesn't work. So you're, you're toiling for no purpose, which means very good. You dug it back to three. What did you accomplish? Nothing. You accomplished nothing because when it's three tefah, the water doesn't flow through easily. So I'm not going to let you toil on all head when you don't accomplish anything. So even though it's the same proportion, but it's the same proportion without an accomplishment. So that's clearly forbidden. Next case, tefahayim al shnem asar. <laughs> okay, let's say it was originally 12. Let's say it was... What is that? Where's the earth going? Let's say you did 5 tefa. Where's the earth going? No, this is not in Shemitah. This is during Cholam Okay. So now, what happens? I have, let's say, one... Give us another scenario. Let's say it was originally 12. That's a deep... Uh, mm-hmm. That's deep. That's twice the size of a normal one. It's 12. It went back up to... 10. It went, no, it went back up to... Two. To 2. two. Okay? So therefore, <laughs> I want to go... Dig it back down to make it the shiur to twelve. So again, tefachayim al shneim asar dekat tarach tirchayetera lo. Well, that's even though it gets the same proportion, two to twelve is the same proportion as one to six. But the, it's, it's six times the uh, you know, whatever the, the amount. But the point is, in that case, it's forbidden because once you start have to dig so deep. You know, as you get deeper and deeper, so now it's excessive work. You got to you got to draw the, uh, the, the, the 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 dirt out. That already is going to be forbidden. Look at the Rashi. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines on the bottom. Tefachayim al shnei masar. Tadichet ta'ilaita shnei masar. Originally it was twelve deep. Vinistema al shnei tefachim, and then it closed up until two tefachim. Asula mikod. You can't dig 10 more tefahim to get it back to 12. Because it's excessive work. Okay? So therefore, it's going to be asur. So again, let's, let's review the cases. Half a tefah to three, forbidden. You're doing nothing. Two tefahim to make it 12. Well, you definitely accomplish something, but it's too much, too much work. Let's go to the next case. Oh, that's the Gemara's case. What about half to six? But the Gemara is going to say now. Gemara says like this: Tefahayim al shiva mahu. 
What about if it was seven? Originally seven, okay? It went back to two. Can I dig five? Now let's analyze it ourselves. I want to dig five to get it back to seven. Well, five we allowed you already. When it was six and it went to one, did I let you dig five? So the Chavrah, if I allow you to go to one to six, what's the difference between going from two to seven? Now here's the difference. It's one tefah deeper. And if it could be that extra tefah is not necessary. So the Gemara analyzes. Do I say, listen, from one to six I dug five out, and I'm digging from two to seven is five out. So therefore the Kavrah should be permissible. Or do I just situate an extra teva? Bottom line, six would have been fine. If you went from two to six, the, the amount works. So by going the extra teva, that's really not necessary. You went to seven, maybe that's extra toil. That we have to wait for the hour Navi to answer that question. She's again, the question really is for the number of five to five, you have the same number. One to six, two to seven, same thing. Or do you say, listen, that extra tefah, you don't need that extra tefah. You could have stopped at six. You did the extra, that's too much work. Kemarah says, you know what? And four numbers. Correct, which means you could have just done four, and then you got you to six, and then you go home. You're, you're, you're done. But, I want, I want, but you're talking about five. One to six, I'm doing the same five. Yeah. And it's not so deep, by the way. It's not like I'm going to 12, where it's extra, where I have to go, you know, dig excessively. Kemarah leaves it in the table. Last point to the Kemarah. There was a city called Barhamdach, or a village called Barhamdach. He allowed them the Shahufe Nahara. It seems the river was clogged up. So he allowed them to unclog the river so it can flow, so it can have water on Alamurid. Rabbi Miyah allowed the people of Sakhuta the Mikhra Nehara Tamima also to dig out a clogged river. I guess it wasn't flowing. The hole of the river where it was emptying out was clogged up. So you allowed them to dredge it. You know, to dig it in order to keep the flow. Rabbi allowed the people of Matam Masiyah Le'akduhe Nahar Burnitz. Le'akduhe is to... Uh, it seems there was a, uh, a sand mound in the middle of the water. And the sand collects. Now the water cannot flow. So we allowed them to take out the sand... That collected in the middle of the river of Burnitz. Amari said, Since the, the people, the, the, the public, drinks from these waters, is considered a public works. And what we learn in the Mishnah about public works? Utnan osin kod rabim. Which means, it seems like this. This was excessive work. All these cases that the rabbis allowed them to do it on Hulam dredging it, taking away the sand mound, uh, unclogging it, was excessive work. Excessive work is not allowed on Hulam But what? We learned in the Mishnah, if it's for the public works, it's permissible. See, this is not a personal guy's field anymore. This is the people need to drink. So what do you tell me? Huh? No one's going to drink on Hulam So the Hadush of all these stories was, and even though it entailed excessive work, which normally is forbidden on Hulam but for the purpose of the Rabbim, he allowed it based on the Mishnah's uh, words, Osin kol sorche Rabbim. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen. Amen.